Hey, I'm Steve Folland. How are you doing? Thanks for listening. This episode is supported by The Podcast Host. So if you're thinking of starting your own podcast, go to them first. They have all the resources and courses and support that you might need and technical help too. Details are at beingfreelance.com of how you can save money as well. Right now, though, let's find out what it's like being freelance for photographer and writer Sarah Tasker. It's kind of about knowing your worth and being prepared for them to walk away if they don't see the value in it. You have to say, I'm going to be awesome for this job and you need me and I'm worth this money. And you have to believe it yourself before they will. It's really hard to say no. It's hard when it comes in your inbox and it's a great opportunity and you you want to do it. You're really excited about doing it. And I say yes and think, it'll be fine and I'll I'll find a way to do it. And then can't sleep for a week because I've got so much to do. It's really hard to say no, but I'm getting better at it. Yes. How are you doing? Hope you are well. Hope everything is going good for you. If you want to find us online, if maybe you found us on iTunes or whatever, we have a website as well, beingfreelance.com, where you can check out all of the previous guests and link through as well. You know, if you hear a guest and you think, oh, how do I find out what they're up to? Or how do I even spell their name? Easy to link through to their Twitter pages or Instagram accounts or YouTube channels or their websites or maybe some of the things that they talk about. Sometimes we put in useful links to other things that they talk about. So take a look, beingfreelance.com, and make sure you subscribe on whatever podcatching device you might use and join us on Twitter at beingfreelance. Right now, though, let's go to Yorkshire and talk to freelance photographer and writer Sarah Tasker. Hey, Sarah. Hello. Hello. Um, I like the fact that before we started speaking, I asked you like how you would define yourself and you you kind of struggled. Yeah. So, so this could be interesting, finding out... <laughs> how you don't know what you do. So how about we get started hearing about how you got started being freelance? Yes, and maybe that will answer some of that question. Um, So I started, I was working for the NHS in speech therapy, completely different to what I do now. And I was on maternity leave and started an Instagram account, like I think a lot of people do to fill the time, and really quickly gained a big following on there for my photography. Um, and started to be approached to kind of do some sponsored work and some brand work through that. Um, Then I built a blog kind of off the back of that, which also became quite popular and then opened up kind of more revenue sources. And then from there, I've really turned that into a job where I now do photography for brands. I do photography for individuals. I write for a few magazines. I'm writing a book. I sell e-courses and I mentor people on Instagram and kind of how they can turn their online business into something bigger. Um, so it's lots of different revenue streams that don't don't fit into one neat job title. <laughs> That's amazing, though, really, when you sit back and think about it, is that if you hadn't have started that Instagram account for something you were passionate about when you were on maternity leave, yeah, you wouldn't be doing this, right? No, it changed. Instagram changed my life. How weird is that? <laughs> It is. It's it's awesome. So it gave you the opportunity to 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 follow that passion. I presume a p- passion for photography, yeah. Um, but also for for blog. Like, had you been writing before that, or did you just suddenly find yourself? I'd always I'd always had a blog, a different blog that was kind of a quiet affair. And I think I, I think I say this somewhere on my blog that really I always identified myself more as a writer than a photographer. I felt confident about my writing. I didn't feel all that confident about my photography, but I enjoyed it just as a hobby. Um, so it was funny that I, all of a sudden I got this kind of quite loud validation for my photography via all these thousands of people on Instagram. Um, and so then I was like, oh, well, maybe I'll see what they think about my writing as well and see, kind of see what the response is. Um, just to put this in perspective, like how long ago was that? 
three years ago. So my well, my daughter's three and a half, and then so yeah, three and a half years ago. Okay, so there's lots to dig into here because you you mentioned r- multiple revenue sources. Yeah. So it started with brands approaching you about your Instagram account, right? Yeah. So for anyone who doesn't know about that whole world, because it is a whole separate world. Um, Brands will pay high-profile Instagram users to feature their products on their account. So it's like a kind of a really organic way for people to come across the brand. And how did you, I mean, how did you find, I don't know, negotiating that or dealing with that if that was like your first route in? It's it's tricky. It's still tricky and it's something I get a lot of questions about from other people who are kind of entering that world because you have no idea what the going rate is for that. It's a really difficult thing to quantify um, and nobody talks about it. It's not really an established industry with a union or something where you can go. So you're kind of pitching blind these really professional PRs from big businesses um, and trying not to get fleeced. So what, what do you do? Do you just sort of like stand your ground or have you just sort of like settled upon yeah what, what feels right to you yeah I think it's about what feels right and it's kind of about knowing your worth and being prepared for them to walk away if they don't see the value in it because at first it feels like you know someone it starts and they want to just send you maybe like a free pair of shoes in exchange for a picture and that feels like a great deal you're like well I was doing this Instagram anyway for fun and now you <laughs> want to give me free shoes like win-win but actually you can't pay the rent with free shoes that's not a job that's just a hobby and um the time that you you need to put into building an instagram account to the point where you can monetize it is not just the time it takes to take that picture of the shoes it's the time you spent over the last two years or whatever being consistent going online every day engaging with your community building your standard of photography up so actually they can't just it's not just about how long it takes you to take that picture and what that costs it's about the whole cost of your experience and your knowledge and your audience Mm. And presumably there must be uh, like lots of brands that approach you that maybe you don't feel comfortable about. Definitely. And that that was a learning curve. I, I said yes to a bikini once and the bikini arrived and I thought, I, I, I can't put a picture of me in my bikini on my Instagram. I'm not that kind of Instagrammer. Um, so then what do you do? And so, yeah, you have to know when to say no when the the integrity of kind of your voice and the the respect and the belief of your audience is so important. So when did it then start transitioning into you taking photos that, you know, like that weren't just for Instagram? So maybe you were taking photographs for other people that existed outside of your platform. Um, so that it was all came to me. It was kind of things that just appeared in my inbox Um and, and at first it felt quite frightening. It felt kind of outside of my, I, I had a real problem with calling myself a photographer or a writer. So I used to say on all of my bios online, I would say takes pictures and writes things about myself instead of writer and photographer, because <laughs> that seems safer. But then, you know, I think it was the point where Canon contacted me and they wanted to send me to a festival to take some pictures for them. And I was a bit like, maybe I am a photographer. Maybe this is what it is to be a photographer. Wow. And did that, then change again because then you're well you're becoming a freelance photographer yeah yeah and and kind of coming into it in a really sideways way because I think most people build up as a freelance photographer you know they build up their own clients and they kind of do a lot of portraits and those sorts of things that's where a lot of the work is but I was sort of jumping straight into this kind of promotional industry level um but I did have a lot of knowledge of things like styling and of lifestyle imagery and that sort of thing from my Instagram. So I think that was why they were interested in me. 
Yeah, yeah. So it's not just about the. It's like you can do the whole thing. That you know, in some in some circumstances, you might have a stylist on set and and, and so an on art so director exactly, and yeah. someone saying, "Well, we need a picture that suggests this to the audience, like a marketing person." So that's kind of all included in what I do. I'm very good value for money, really. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let, let's talk about that a, a bit more. So, does that mean you have to travel, or, or are you mainly focused on local clients? I don't, I don't know. It's all mainly UK based because I have a, a little girl, so I don't travel too far at the moment. But yeah, there's a lot of trips to London and various places. And how do you find? juggling that so like for uh, the childcare and the suddenly having to be on a train to london for the day to take photos yeah that that is probably the biggest tricky element of my job is just the childcare because um my husband he works quite long hours we don't have any family immediately around us where we live so it's always kind of lots of phone calls and arranging and trying to get someone to kind of be here overnight to help him out yeah and that feels like the biggest hurdle like have you ever felt like you need to, I don't know, maybe not even take a job on because of that. Yeah, definitely. And and because she's little, um, you know, you kind of have to prioritise. I want to be here for her. I want to see these years with her. But also I've launched a new business. My business is a baby and I, I need to be putting the time into that as well. And it's juggling these amazing opportunities that sometimes mean a compromise on one end or the other. Um, and I think it's a funny thing, isn't it? Because my, my husband is, is a modern man and we absolutely share everything and we share responsibility for our daughter. But because I was on maternity leave with her, it's always been my responsibility to make sure she's got childcare. So it falls, that falls on my to-do list. It's like, okay, well, how do I sort out her childcare? And sometimes I have to remember, actually, there's two of us and we can both (laughs) sort the childcare out. When it comes to I know, like fitting everything in. So like you've got your day, so what's your three and a half? So maybe just starting nursery, that sort yeah. of thing? Or, um, so how do you go about planning out your day? It, it, it sounds like there must be a lot of variety. Yeah, that's. I find that really difficult because I can never really say that any week will be the same as the next. And I have tried to sort of block time in my diary and say, this is my photography time and this is my, I don't know, my writing time or my mentoring time. But it just changes so much. It's, it never works. So so what do you do? Just fly by the, by the seat of your pants kind of thing? Yeah, pretty much. I use um, Asana. I don't know if you've ever looked at Asana. Oh, yeah. um, and I use that to kind of, I put all my to-do list tasks in it and it kind of arranges them in priority order for me and I just tick them off and I just go through it kind of, it's almost like constantly firefighting, but it's the only way I've found that really works and means I'm kind of working everything into deadlines. And do you turn work down if you think you're too busy? So obviously you might turn it down if you don't feel it fits you, but what about just because you're too busy? I'm learning to do that. I'm not very good at doing that. And I say yes and think it'll be fine and I'll I'll find a way to do it. And then can't sleep for a week because I've got so much to do. (laughs) Um, It's hard, isn't it? It's hard when it comes in your inbox and it's a great opportunity. And and you want to do it. You're really excited about doing it. It's really hard to say no, but I'm getting better at it. Yeah. It's a weird thing though, isn't it? Like When you're a parent, you you almost seem to... find time that you never knew you had before you were yes. one, if that makes sense. Yes, that is so true. I think you become a bit of a superhero and you can just, I mean, you you don't know how you're doing it and I'm sure we'll all collapse when they get to 18 and <laughs> never be able to do anything again. But yeah. Like personally, I find it sometimes hard to 
switch off the work when yes. I know they need my attention kind of thing? Yes, really hard. It's like if I'm playing with her, I feel guilty because I'm not working. And if I'm working, I feel guilty because I'm not playing with her and I can't seem to win. Um, I, I, launched, I said on Twitter the other day, I think someone needs to launch a business where it's like um, a working space for freelancers, but also a soft play place on the other side of the room where everyone can put all their children together um, and we can just get stuff done. That's a weird... Don't... Let's, let's not say that on the yeah, air. Yeah, no, don't broadcast that bit. <laughs> we- <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, that's a good. It, it, once they're suddenly like four or five, and they can go off in the soft play without you needing to go in there. Oh, I'm living for that day. Yeah, without you needing to do the thing where you, oh, I forgot to bring socks. I'm sorry, <laughs> but Daddy, it's snowing outside. I know. <laughs> Careless of me. I can't go in there. <laughs> yeah, for anyone that doesn't have children, you're not allowed in soft play without socks. We should explain. <laughs> Yeah, I I hate the ones who then sell socks. Oh like, yes, like that was our one way out, and it really extortionate socks as well. Yes. So you're out of pocket as well. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so, uh, so that's so so what? So we've got your photography, we've got brands paying you uh, for Instagram, uh, you, but you mentioned that you were coaching, I think, so coaching other people on Instagram. Yeah, and that's that is probably like the biggest driver of traffic to my website is people who want to know how they can turn their Instagram into something, either they're small businesses or they're creatives and they know it's a good way to reach their audience. Or maybe they're just kind of people like I was just doing it creatively, but thinking like, I want to be able to do this better. Um, so yes, I have coaching packages. I'm launching my first e-course at the end of this month. Um, and I have a little free, actually, can I just plug my little free ebook that you can get if you sign up to any of my mailing lists on my website? You get a free ebook on how to make your Instagram better. Did that element of your business come about because somebody first approached you? Like, had you thought about it before then, if you see what I mean? Yeah, the reason that came about was so I was working my NHS job. I'd gone back from my maternity leave and I was doing that part time and I was kind of juggling all this other stuff that was getting busier and busier and having to turn work down because I had commitments at the NHS. Um, so I needed something that I knew I knew would be almost like a guaranteed income every month because the other stuff was kind of sporadic. Some months were very good and some months were very slow. So that was why I launched the mentoring originally. I knew that there was interest kind of, I'd had emails and I'd had a lot of questions and I had this big audience. And it's sort of, when you have a big audience, you think you can probably sell them, sell to them in some way. If you've got the right products, you know that there's people who are going to buy it. You're kind of in a privileged position there. Yeah. So I launched it just, just to be able to quit my job and it worked. And then kind of, I've enjoyed it so much. I've kept it going. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah, it's that regular income stream. So you can sit back and well not relax but feel a bit more comfortable exactly and sort of when I know I'm going to have a bit more time because I've kind of got my head around the way the brand work ebbs and flows with the marketing budgets and stuff so when I know it's going to be a quiet period I can schedule in more mentoring work because I'll have more time and then when I know it's going to be really busy I can not sell any slots Ah, because a lot of the industries you work with have certain times when they're launching new ranges or something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. So like Christmas. Yeah, the run up to Christmas is really busy. So then everybody sort of doesn't spend at the end of summer because they're saving their budget for Christmas, etc. Did you find that tough when you first were discovering that pattern? Yes, yeah. So there'd be a month when no exciting emails came in and I'd be like, oh, I've lost it. It's gone. Sort of this, whatever it was, it's gone. Um, and it's only when you recognise the pattern kind of, repeatedly that you start to see that there really is a reason behind it so you were about to launch your e-course yes how have you found putting that together um a challenge 
it's such a huge project. Anyone that's done it will know it's sort of, you can write on your to-do list or write e-course, but you'll never get across that off because that is a huge project. And I really had to chunk it down into the tiniest bits to get through it. Um, and it's still not completely finished, but I know exactly what's going in it. It's just not, it's just not glossy and shiny as I want it to be just yet. Does that sit on an external platform that deals with the money side of it yeah i've gone with teachable which everybody seems to recommend and it so that literally that processes it for you it takes payment for you and um it's it's kind of all the software's there to make it really easy for you to set it up and will it have a community attached to it or is it just there's the course off you go i want a community so i'm kind of I'm, i'm looking at facebook groups and i'm looking at a forum um and I can't quite decide. Everyone really hates Facebook, don't they? I really hate Facebook. <laughs> so I don't want to send people there if they don't want to use it. But then on the other hand, it's really useful because you get the notifications. And if you're on Instagram, then you've got a Facebook account anyway, because it's the same company. It is. It's funny that you say that because more and more people are like, oh, Facebook. Mm. And yet, because everybody is on it, it kind of makes it the easiest place to be and like the groups notification wise as, yeah, as you say it kind of it works. works but yeah interesting but we're all kind of getting a bit sick yeah and it's interesting to see the vibes towards instagram changing as it becomes more facebooky that could be a whole separate topic though <laughs> that is yeah but because obviously you're a lot of what you do is linked to instagram does that make you aware of like emerging platforms and like trying them out to see you know you know like are you aware like what, what if instagram tails off yeah and something else yeah that's kind of that's always a concern really because um still a lot of a lot of my clients find me initially through instagram it's amazing how many business clients are browsing through instagram to find people like me so it's kind of my live portfolio and i do think like if that goes if that interest stops where do i need to be and i need to be one of the kind of the forefront at the forefront of it so that i'm building up my audience there as well so have you then been tempted, like, do you try out, be it Snapchat or God knows what the next thing is that I don't even know its name yet? Yeah, I try. I try and stay abreast of it. What I really need is like a teenage confidant who will come and tell me because they're <laughs> the ones who know, aren't they? They know what, yes. the, what the up and coming stuff really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's totally true. If you'd have asked them a few years ago, they'd have said, said Snapchat. Yeah. I don't know what that, that probably isn't it today. I thought that Snapchat was just for sexting. I really did. Like, because why did the pictures disappear instantly? unless you're sending something you don't want someone to have so I like people would ask for my snapchat and I'd be like um I don't really I don't really see you that way (laughs) turns out that yeah no that's not what it's for Uh, actually it's a point though like with Instagram they've recently replicated the snapchat feels whole stories documenting it that way so things which disappear after 24 hours uh is that something that you use yeah, I do use it. I think I have to use it, don't I? Because if I'm going to talk to other people about Instagram, I need to know that inside out as well as everything else. And I, I enjoy it. I enjoy stories on Instagram more than I enjoyed Snapchat. Um, it seems to be used in a slightly different way and have a bit of a different community. But also, I already had this huge audience on Instagram. So mm. I never had, you know, on Snapchat, it was building that audience up over there. It's much easier for me to just share it with my existing audience. What sort of thing would you share on that? Because obviously the Instagram photos tend to be a lot more, you know, polished, arty kind of mm, thing, whereas yeah. Instagram stories is much more authentic and raw. Yeah. So how do you use it? So I always say put the stuff that's 
pretty but not pretty enough for your main gallery <laughs> on there um so people still seem to be really motivated by it being quite visual content i think that's to do with the audience on instagram is that people are there because their primary kind of motivation is visual content so you can't just throw anything up but um kind of just day-to-day stuff i think that's what people want they want kind of a bit of a glimpse behind the scenes to be reminded that nobody's life is completely perfect like it might appear on instagram yeah and I guess it gives people a chance to get to know you it, or, you know, if any freelancer listening was thinking of doing it, like it gives you a chance to get to know you, like to act, literally hear your voice yeah. rather than just read it. Yeah. And and um, I was talking with some friends about it the other day, actually, and some said that there were people they really loved before who they now like less having seen them because they realize they've got nothing to say and they're not very interesting people. So it can work both ways. It's a bit scary, Um, but it is an opportunity as well. And especially if you've got like a creative process, I think sharing that and showing people what it is you do in your day to day is a real asset. And do you say things on there which are like giving, I don't know, say Instagram tips or is it more like documenting your day? And if that includes a photo shoot, you put that in, but if it includes just building Lego when you put that in yeah more more of the latter um I guess I mean I could, there's no reason that I wouldn't do the first and put some tips in there but because it's such temporary content I'm never even putting that much thought into it you just kind of throw it up don't you whereas if I was going to do something that had value like an Instagram tip I'd probably want to make it more permanent for people yeah that's true so let's talk about permanent things because you did the ebook as well yeah had you been trying to get people to sign up to a mailing list before you did that no that was to launch my mailing list ah you're smart yeah although now we can't discover the difference it made (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah did you find it relatively easy I guess to grow a list yeah that was it was really easy as soon as I launched that kind of it it had a buzz about it and people were tweeting about it and using the hashtag and um I can't remember the stats but I think I got something like a thousand signups in the first couple of days wow so you didn't have to go through that thing of thinking i'm only writing this newsletter for one person <laughs> no that's good i never thought that must be what it's like for some people that's rubbish yeah yeah but then did that bring its own pressure as to right well now i've got to write this newsletter what's it going to have in it like how how did you then decide and has it changed i think by that point i was kind of used to that pressure of a big audience the scary thing is so you know when you use MailChimp I think everybody probably uses MailChimp and it tells you to push the red button and send this thing out to all these people (laughs) and I would sit there for like 10 minutes looking at it thinking I'm not ready I'm not ready to send it because there's no editing there's no bringing it back if you've made a horrible mistake um so now I send out my monthly newsletter is just a collection of hashtags that I think people should be using that kind of seasonal or interesting um, and that seems to be really popular. Yeah, so it's it's focused on on the Instagram, helping people with Instagram side of it. Yes, because that's what they signed up for if they got my ebook. I know that ah, right. that's their main interest. And really, my mailing list purpose was to sell my Instagram products to them, whether that's mentoring or e courses. Um, because if they want to follow my blog, there's other options for them to just follow as a kind of a general reader. Okay, let's just pause for a moment. I'm getting through so much. Uh, and talk briefly about the fact that this episode is supported by the lovely people at The Podcast Host. If you're thinking of starting a podcast for your freelance business or maybe a passion project that you're into, then check them out. 
because they have all the courses and resources and technical help as well in that they can edit, they can create the artwork, they can publish it to the world. There's quite a lot involved in making a podcast, but don't be put off. Talk to them and they can help you. And if you use the promo code FREELANCE, you get money off as well. There's details at the website beingfreelance.com. But yeah, if you're thinking of starting a podcast or you already have one and you want to, you know, want help or you want to discuss how you could take it to the next level, then do go to them won't you tell them i said hi colin and the team are very nice the podcast host details at our website back to you though sarah and i mean you mentioned earlier on that you find it hard you know like juggling all the time and fitting the work in even though you clearly do but how is there times when you think oh do you know i've got so much to do for this client i can't get this newsletter out tonight or this blog post you know i haven't done a blog post in two weeks or whatever it might be Definitely. And I think I fell into a trap for quite a few months in a row of that, of kind of, because the blog stuff and the newsletters, that doesn't immediately pay. You don't see the rewards of that instantly, do you? You kind of just have to trust that that is building your profile and that is reaching your audience in those ways. But the client work pays and it's a really clear kind of, I do this, I get that. So I spent quite a few months kind of falling into that trap and just doing the client work and then realizing actually all my audience is kind of, I'm losing them. They're not coming every day anymore because there's nothing new to see. Um, and that they're the reason that I get the client work almost. So actually to keep that going is really important. So do you have to sort of be tough with yourself or schedule it in? Or I think now that I've kind of revisited that and really seen how important it is, it's kind of scared me a little bit into being quite tough with myself about it. And I do prioritise my kind of my brand um, above anybody else's. When you say you're a freelance writer, is that are we simply talking about, and I don't mean simply, I don't mean that in a really way, but are we simply talking about your blog or do you write in other ways that we haven't talked about yet? Uh, yes, yeah, so I write for a few magazines and um, kind of pitch to various magazines like Stylist and Standard Issue. Um, and I write content for other people's websites as well sometimes for their blogs. Oh, cool. So how, I mean, how much time then goes into that, into that whole pitching and you know, researching that kind of process? For me, it's kind of, I would love that to be a much bigger part of my time, but it's not as lucrative as some of the other work. Um, and it's, it's kind of a passion project, I think for me. So I, I do it when I've got the time and I, when I've got the time, I'll take it on and kind of get in touch with some of my contacts and write some things. And it's great for me and it builds my profile and it kind of gets me in touch with a different audience. Um, and there's also always that fear in the back of my head of like, well, what if this bubble bursts? What if everything changes and this kind of work dries up? Well, that feels like a much more concrete job. People will always want freelance writers. Um, so I kind of try and keep that ticking over, but it's not as big a part of my day-to-day as I would like it to be. Mm. So, okay, have we covered everything? So we've got writer, we've got the blog, which brings an in income as well, the Instagram, we've got courses, <laughs> we've got mentorship. I just got a book uh, deal. I didn't tell you that. Whoa, okay. <laughs> Hold everything. So how did that come about? Um, they found me through Instagram, the publishers. And contacted me directly. Um, and I'd had a few offers previously, actually, from previous books, but they were never the right title or they wanted something very specific. So I'd turn them down. But this one, they just wanted me to do a book about my brand, kind of about what I do. So I went down and met with them in London and it looks like it's going to go ahead. Congratulations. Thank you. 
flipping neck though i mean it's like it feels like a very big grown-up real thing doesn't it yeah yeah it's a book deal a book deal and it was it was the dream that was kind of that was because i think so much of what i do it's online and it's difficult to define to people um so the idea of having a book that makes me feel like i'll i'll be official i'll be able to give someone my book and be like this is what i do it's all in here yeah so it's it, it will be like a tutorial kind of a, a, the story of your brand, but also teaching people. Yeah, so it's going to be, I think, sort of semi-lifestyle guide with lots of beautiful photography, kind of a coffee table photography kind of book, but about taking beautiful pictures and Instagramming your life, basically. In amongst all of these different revenue streams and like when I look at your website and like all the different beautiful buttons with all the different things that you do, there's a lot of business savviness in it. And I'm just wondering whether you've done any courses or anything or whether you felt it along the way or it just comes naturally I don't know do you know you, you know like it's one thing to have a passion about something but then making it work business wise um it's, it's interesting that you spotted that actually I don't know if everybody notices that but yeah I partly I think it's just intuitive I think I've got that kind of brain but I did um business studies at school so I did it at GCSE and A level and I always say now I think that was the most useful subject I ever did at school like English maths whatever I don't use any of that but the business study stuff the marketing and kind of the the way of thinking about things I found that really useful and I still use it all the time um, and I've had a mentor, like a creative blogging mentor as well, who kind of helps me think about things like the mailing list and the savvy ways to set them up. Uh, really? Is that somebody who you deliberately sought out or, you know, is it like a friend relationship or a, a, you pay them, you know? I sought her out. I came across her via her blog and um, kind of was at a point I was when I was still working, but I was aware that there was potential to turn it into a business and I wanted to make sure I was doing stuff right. So um, I met up with her. Her name's Jen Carrington. So she's kind of northern based if anybody's looking for someone up here. Do you think you could have done what you did without that kind of advice? I think I'd probably still be doing what I do. Absolutely. Um, but uh, there's this thing where you sort of need someone to talk stuff through with, isn't there? Kind of, if you need someone to sound it off and when you're self-employed, you don't have that company around you necessarily of people who understand the business as well as you do and, and know what kind of decisions you're facing. So to go and meet with her, it was just someone to talk to. And often I'd find I knew the answers myself, but I couldn't reach that conclusion until I'd kind of li- literally talked it through with somebody else who understood. Yeah, interesting. And is that like an ongoing thing or was that at that point? Well, we're friends now, so now we meet for coffee and kind of do it more informally. Ah, um, okay. Does she hold you accountable? You know, like as in, you said you were going to do this and you haven't. No, she doesn't. I could do with somebody that does that, <laughs> someone that shouts at me if I don't. Um, but well, I think we're both okay at holding ourselves accountable within yeah. reason. I sometimes think that. I sometimes think if, if I was just somebody saying, get on and write that blog now, yeah, you, yes. said, you said you were going to do it. Yeah. Whereas, of course, you know, I've got a client on my arse saying, where's the video? And then I'm going, oh, oh I need to do that. I, um, up until my daughter started nursery, so she just started about a month ago, I always worked from cafes and would take her to a childbinder. And working from cafes was awesome because I had no choice but to work. There's nothing else you can do when you're in a cafe, really. I mean, Mm. you can check Twitter all day, I suppose. But other than that, now I work from home because she's at school and and there's so much other stuff you can do when you're at home. It's awful for my productivity. Interesting. So are you tempted to find somewhere else to go? Yeah, I think I'm going to have to go back to cafes around here. But um, Yorkshire's not quite as up on the like mobile working people in cafes thing. It's a bit, that's a bit confusing for people around here still. <laughs> yeah, because you've got much more rural, right? 
Yeah, yeah. Is, so, that, is that quite a recent thing? Or? Um, so, yeah, we were in Manchester, which is about an hour away. So her childminder was still close to there. So I was sort of driving back towards Manchester Way to take her to her childminder. So there was lots of kind of urban cafes around there and that's a good working environment. There's lots of other people on laptops, but out here it's much more kind of tea rooms. <laughs> yeah. So, would, and did you, like that whole, presumably that, I, I, well, I'm making a big assumption, but that, that sounds like a life choice of work-life balance maybe like you realized you could work from anywhere sort of thing so why are you in a city center sort of yeah exactly definitely and kind of um just trying to slow down and enjoy life a bit more did it work um no <laughs> no because <laughs> now i'm self-employed and i spend all my time working <laughs> but on stuff you love yeah. Stuff, yeah 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 no it's it's very true i i find as well if you go go to the cafe but you don't have your power cord yeah <laughs> yeah then you have to work even more efficiently because you can see <laughs> and it, it comes to a point where you then turn the wi-fi off just to eke out the battery just yeah. a little bit more yeah but then yeah. it dies and then then you've kind of lost that time advantage because you just give up. Yeah. Do you know, it, it'll be interesting like, to see, you already like seem to be doing so much, but what happens when your daughter then goes to school? <gasps> I'm counting down the days in some respects to that. Is that yeah. awful? You'll have all that time. Can't wait. I probably just nap the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say like you've learned most through this whole process? So like the last three years and like leaving your job and taking this on like things which have worked or maybe things that haven't I think I've the biggest lesson for me is is about knowing your worth and really believing in yourself and kind of believing in what you do which sounds quite trite I'm aware of that but it was something I've always struggled with I think my own kind of self-esteem and my self-belief and so when I first started pitching or when I'd first start trying kind of you know quoting for things that would come through and I'd be not really valuing myself not really believing in myself and so of course the other people on the other end of the email never did and it's only when you kind of realize actually you have to say I'm going to be awesome for this job and you need me and I'm worth this money and you have to believe it yourself before they will so kind of that has really revolutionized how I think about myself and how I think about what I do and it's made me a lot happier as a person ah uh, that's good yeah so it's not just the financial side of it it's the the confidence yeah exactly right now I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself make two true one a lie let me figure out the lie what have you got for me okay you're going down by the way I'm gonna win <laughs> <laughs> everything's Fighting a competition talk. okay so number one um I had a romantic liaison with Luke Skywalker from the Star Wars films <laughs> Yeah. Number two, I was invited to a Spice Girls birthday party. And number three, I have appeared in a children's book. Oh, my goodness. These are good. Thank you. You you had a romantic liaison with Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Okay, now, I don't know how old you are, but... <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, not that. I mean, age should show no boundaries. Um, he's still around. Have you not seen The Force Awakens? No. No, oh, he's in it. So, what? So, the original Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. How did you meet the original Luke Skywalker? Um, I don't even know his name. What's his Mark Hamill. Seen? Oh, of course. Okay, so Mark. So you met Mark Hamill, and what, what, were you helping him like cross cross the road? Like, uh, <laughs> Were you offering to carry his shopping? Like, um, what's the? Well, he must be getting on, surely. He's Go on. A, he's a silver fox. Um, I should say he's married. And when I say a romantic lays on it, I, maybe I'm stretching the truth a little bit there. 
but um, I've got photos to prove it. <laughs> you should be telling the sun, not me. So, so hang on. So you're both married. Um, when when you say it's a romantic, what you had a selfie taken with him, and he um, he kissed you. Uh, you kissed him. Well, we went on a series of of dates. I'm going to have to link you what? up. <laughs> <laughs> you were okay spice girls birthday who's which spice girls and now i'm gonna take a guess here where you're in yorkshire oh, might you have met? mel b you were invited to mel b's birthday no it was jerry hallowell ah! good good guess go? no i didn't go it was fancy dress <laughs> and that's the reason you didn't go <laughs> So is the opportunity to hang out with like uh, I don't know A list might be stretching it, but B list, you know, she's not very on brand for me. <laughs> no, okay, you didn't have to put it all on the Instagram. <laughs> you were at the Spice Girls birthday party, and you wouldn't go because you didn't want to dress as a what? What was the theme? I don't think that maybe it was eighties. There wasn't a very defined theme. Okay, I'm not sure. I believe. <gasps> um, but hang on, kids book. Mm-hmm. In what way were you in a kid's book? So I was a princess who lived in Venice in a book that um, a friend of mine illustrated. Oh, what? And they drew you? Mm-hmm. Oh, amazing. Yeah, I look I look really good in it as well. She did a good job of it. <laughs> okay. This is weird. I'm going to say that one's true. And I hope it is because that's lovely. And you'd rather that your child saw those pictures than Luke Skywalker's. Or the Spice Girls. So, so let's hope the kids' book is true. Luke Skywalker is so odd. I don't think he went to Spice Girls' birthday party because I think if Jerry Halliwell had a fancy dress party, she would be more specific than just 80s. Oh, damn it. I, think I knew she you would... got me then. Is that, is that the lie? That's the lie. Yes! <laughs> um, I should explain the Luke Skywalker thing, I think. I oh, that. I don't know. I mean, leave it for court, um, <laughs> unless you've already told your husband. Just go, uh, no, go, no, go to on. Instagram um, and look for the profile, me and Luke Skywalker. That's all one word, and it should explain things. Oh, my God. That just makes it even more intriguing. <laughs> A whole Instagram account called me and Luke Skywalker. Yeah. yeah. Are you like some weird stalker? Uh, you are. <laughs> oh, my God, this is brilliant. No, no, he's, he totally approves. It's fine. Of course he does. <laughs> he's like in his 80s and you're all over him. He's 65. Me and Luke Skywalker. Me. Oh, my God. Me and Luke Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, I'm not going to say anything more. I'm going to leave everybody. I'm going to... <laughs> Come follow me, guys. <laughs> But do you see the ones with the trees on the second row? Yeah. See? Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, if he ever ends up on Graham Norton's couch, this is going to get pulled up. That's what my friend said. That's what my friend said. Yeah. And I'm going to be going like, I've spoken to her. (laughs) These are brilliant. Okay. I'm not going to explain. I will let people go. I will put a link, of course, in the show notes at (laughs) beingfreelance.com. Although I imagine that most of you have already taken your phone out and searched Instagram (laughs) me and Luke Skywalker. That's brilliant. Right. Well, where did we go from there? Um, (laughs) um, Other than the fact that, of course, though, let's not forget, but I did win when you said I was going down. Totally blew it with the theme. I should have had a theme. Yeah. Right. Now, we may have already touched upon this, but if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would it be? Yeah, I think it would be that thing we said before, that just that you can do it. 
um it felt completely impossible to me it felt outside of it, it was very much something other people did and it happened to me sort of by accident and now I'm so much happier and I, I think probably everybody says this I could not imagine going back to a nine to five Okay, uh, of course, beingfreelance.com is the website and we will link through to everything that Sarah is up to. And possibly by the time you've heard this, she'll have invented something else <laughs> as well. So go take a look as well. So beingfreelance.com and uh, go say hello to Sarah. And yeah, thank you so much and all the best being freelance. Thank you very much. 